Section 18 of The Morals, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Anne Boulay. The Morals, Volume 2 by Plutarch. Translated by several hands. Corrected and revised by William W. Goodwin. Section 18. Roman Questions, Part 3. Question 54. Why do they call the flesh market Macellum? Solution. Was it not by corrupting the word Megaros, a cook, as with many other words, that the custom hath prevailed? For C and G are nigh akin to one another, and G came more lately into use, being inserted among the other letters by Spurius Carbilius, and now by lispers and stammerers, L is pronounced instead of R. Or this matter may be made clear by a story. It is reported that at Rome there was a stout man, a robber, who had robbed many, and being taken with much difficulty, was brought to condign punishment. His name was Macellus, out of whose riches a public meat market was built, which bear his name. Question 55. Why are the minstrels allowed to go about the city on the Ides of January, wearing women's apparel? Solution. Is it for the reason here rehearsed? This sort of men, as it seems, had great privileges accruing to them from the grant of King Numa, by reason of his godly devotion, which things afterward being taken from them, when the Dechemviri managed the government, they forsook the city. Whereupon there was a search made for them, and one of the priests, offering sacrifice without music, made a superstitious scruple of so doing, and when they returned not upon invitation, but led their lives in Tiber, a certain freedman told the magistrates privately that he would undertake to bring them, and providing a plentiful feast, as if he had sacrificed to the gods, he invited the minstrels. Womankind was present also, with whom they reveled all night, sporting and dancing. There on a sudden the man began a speech, and being surprised with affright, as if his patron had come in upon him, persuaded the pipers to ascend the caravans, that were covered all over with skins, saying he would carry them back to Tiber. But this whole business was but a trepan, for he, wheeling about the caravan, and they perceiving nothing by reason of wine and darkness, he very cunningly brought them all into Rome by the morning. Most of them, by reason of the night revel and the drink that they were in, happened to be clothed in flowered women's robes. Whereupon, being prevailed upon by the magistrates and reconciled, it was decreed they should go up and down the city on that day, habited after this manner. Question 56. Why are they of opinion that matrons first built the temple of Carmetta, and at this day do they worship her the most? Solution. There is a certain tradition that, when the women were prohibited by the Senate from the use of chariots drawn by a pair of horses, they conspired together not to be got with child and breed children, and in this manner to be revenged on their husbands, until they revoked the decree and gratified them. Which being done, children were begot, and the women, becoming good breeders and very fruitful, built the temple of Carmetta. Some say that Carmetta was Evander's mother, and going into Italy was called Themis, but as some say, Nicostrata, who, when she sang forth oracles in verse, 
was called Carmetta by the Latins, for they call verses Carmina. There are some of opinion that Carmetta was a destiny, therefore the matron sacrificed to her. But the etymology of the word is from Karen's mente, beside herself, by reason of divine raptures. Hence Carmetta had not her name from Carmina, but contrawise, her verses were called Carmina from her, because being inspired, she sang her oracles in verse. Question 57. What is the reason that, when the women do sacrifice to Rumina, they pour forth milk plentifully on the sacrifices, but offer no wine? Solution. Is it because the Latins call the breast Ruma, and that tree, as they say, is called Ruminalis, under which the she-wolf drew forth her breast to Romulus? And as we call those women that bring up children with milk from the breast, breast women, so did Rumina, who was a wet nurse, a dry nurse, and a rearer of children, not permit wine as being hurtful to infants. Question 58. Why do they call some senators patres conscripti, and others only patres? Solution. Is not this the reason, that those that were first constituted by Romulus, they called patres and patricians, as being gentlemen who could show their pedigree? But those that were elected afterwards from among the commonality, they called patres conscripti? Question 59. Why was one altar common to Hercules and the Muses? Solution. Was it because Hercules taught letters first to Evander's people, as Juba tells us? and it was esteemed an honorable action of those that taught their friends and relations, for it was but of late that they began to teach for hire. The first that opened a grammar school was Spurius Carbilius, a freeman of Carbilius, the first that divorced his wife. Question 60. What is the reason that, of Hercules's two altars, the women do not partake or taste of the things offered on the greater? Solution. Is it not because Carmetta's women came too late for the sacrifice? The same thing happened also to the Pinari, whence they were excluded from the sacrificial feast, and fasting while others were feasting. They called them Pinari, from Painau. Or is it upon the account of that fabulous story, of the Cote and De Janeiro? Question 61. What is the reason that it's forbidden to mention, inquire after, or name the chief tutelary and guardian god of Rome, whether male or female? Which prohibition they confirmed with a superstitious tradition, reporting that Valerius Serranus perished miserably for uttering that name? Solution. Is this the reason, as some Roman histories tell us, that there are certain kinds of evocations and enchantments, with which they are wont to entice away the gods of their enemies, and to cause theirs to come and dwell with them. And they feared lest this mischief should befall them from others? As the Tyrians are said to bind fast their images with cords, but others, when they will send any of them to washing or purifying, require sureties for their return. So did the Romans reckon they had their god in the most safe and secure custody, he being unexpressible and unknown, or as Homer hath versified, the earth all gods is common have, that men might worship and reverence all gods that have the earth in common, so did the ancient Romans obscure the Lord of their salvation, requiring that not only this, but all gods should be reverenced by the citizens? 
Question 62. Why among them that are called Ficialis, in Greek, peacemakers, was he that was named Potter Petratus, accounted the chiefest? But this must be one who hath his father living, and children of his own, and he hath even at this time a certain privilege and trust. For the praetors commit to those men's trust the persons of those who, by reason of comeliness and beauty, stand in need of an exact and chaste guardianship. Solution. Is this the reason, that they must be such whose children reverence them, and who reverence their parents? Or doth the name itself suggest a reason? For Petratum will have a thing to be complete and finished. For he whose lot it is to be a father, whilst his father liveth, is, as it were, perfecter than others. Or is it that he ought to be overseer of oaths and peace, and, according to Homer, to see before and behind? Is he such a one especially, who hath a son for whom he consults, and a father with whom he consults? Question 63. Why is he that is called Rex Sacrorum, who is king of priests, forbid either to take upon him a civil office, or to make an oration to the people? Solution. Was it that of old, the kings did perform the most and greatest sacred rites, and offered sacrifices together with the priests? But when they kept not within the bounds of moderation and became proud and insolent, most of the Grecians, depriving them of their authority, left to them only this part of their office, to sacrifice to the gods. But the Romans, casting out kings altogether, gave the charge of the sacrifice to another, and joining him neither to meddle with public affairs, nor to hold office, so that they might seem to be subject to royalty only in their sacrifices, and to endure the name of king only with respect to the gods? Hence there is a certain sacrifice kept by tradition in the marketplace near the Comitia, which as soon as the king, for example the chief priest, hath offered, he immediately withdraws himself by flight out of the marketplace. Question 64. Why do they not suffer the table to be quite voided when it's taken away, but will have something always to remain upon it? Solution. What if it be that they would intimate that something of our present enjoyments should be left for the future, and that today we should be mindful of tomorrow? Or that they reckon it a piece of manners to repress and restrain the appetite in our present fruitions? For they less desire absent things, who are accustomed to abstain from those that are present. Or was it a custom of courtesy towards household servants? For they do not love so much to take as to partake, deeming that they hold a kind of communion with their masters at the table. Or is it that no sacred thing ought to be suffered to be empty, and the table is a sacred thing? Question 65. Why doth not a man lie at first with a bride in the light, but when it is dark? Solution. Is it not for modesty's sake, for at the first congress he looks upon her as a stranger to him? Or is it that he may be inured to go into his own wife with modesty? Or, as Solon hath written, let the bride go into the bedchamber gnawing a quince, that the first salutation be not harsh and ungrateful. So did the Roman lawgiver command that, if there should be anything absurd and unpleasant in her body, she should hide it? Or was it intended to cast infamy upon the unlawful use of venery, by causing that the lawful should have certain signs of modesty attending it? Question 66. Why was one of the horse race rounds called Flaminia? 
solution is it because when flaminius one of the ancients bestowed a field on the city they employed its revenue on the horse races and with the overplus money built the way which they call flaminia question sixty seven why do they call the rod-bearers lictors solution is this the reason because these men were wont to bind desperate bullies and they followed romulus carrying thongs in their bosoms the vulgar romans say aligare to bind when the more refined in speech say ligare or is now c inserted when formerly they called them litters being liturgi ministers for public service for laton until this day is writ for public in many of the grecian laws which scarce any is ignorant of question sixty eight why do the luperci sacrifice a dog the luperci are they that run up and down naked saving only their girdles in the lupercal plays and slash all that they meet with a whip solution is it not because these feats are done for the purification of the city for they call the month february and indeed the very day februatus and the habit of whipping with thongs they call februare the word signifying to cleanse and to speak the truth all the grecians have used and some do use to this very day a slain dog for an expiatory sacrifice and among other sacrifices of purification they offer whelps to hecate and sprinkle those that need cleansing with the puppy's blood calling this kind of purifying puppification or is it that lupus is leucos a wolf and lupercalia are lycaea but a dog is at enmity with a wolf therefore is sacrificed on the lycaean festivals or is it because the dogs do bark at and perplex the luperci as they scout about the city or is it that this sacrifice is offered to pan and pan loves dogs because of his herds of goats question sixty nine why upon the festival called septimonium did they observe to abstain from the use of chariots drawn by a pair of horses and even until now do they that regard antiquity still abstain they do observe the septimonium feast in honor of the addition of the seventh hill to the city upon which it became septicolis seven-hilled rome solution what if it be as some of the romans conjecture because the parts of the city are not as yet everywhere connected or if this conceit be nothing to the purpose what if it be that when the great work of building the city was finished and they determined to cease the increasing of the city and farther they rested themselves and rested the cattle that bore a share in the labor with them and provided accordingly that they might participate in the holiday by rest from labor or was it that they would have all the citizens always present for the solemnity and return of the festival especially that which was observed in remembrance of the compact uniting the parts of the city and that none should desert the city for whose sake the feast is kept they were not allowed to use their yoke chariots that day question seventy why do they call those furciferi which are convict of thefts or any other of those slavish crimes solution was it this which was an argument of the severity of the ancients that whenever any convicted his servant of any villainy he enjoined him to carry the forked piece of timber that is under the cart the tongue of the cart and to go with it through the next villages and neighborhood to be seen of all that they might distrust him and be aware of him for the future 
This piece of wood we call a prop. The Romans call it furca, a fork. Hence he that carries it about is called a furchifer, a fork-bearer. Question 71. Why do they bind hay about the horns of oxen that are wont to push, that they may be shunned by him that meets them? Solution. Is it that, by reason of gormandizing and stuffing their guts, oxen, asses, horses, and men become mischievous, as Sophocles somewhere saith, like full-fed colt thou kickest up heels, from stuffed paunch, cheeks, and full meals. Therefore the Romans say that Marcus Crassus had hay about his horns, for they that were turbulent men in the commonwealth were wont to stand in awe of him as a revengeful man, and one scarce to be meddled with. Although afterwards it was said again, that Caesar had taken away Crassus's hay, being the first man of the republic that withstood and affronted him. Question 72. Why would they have the lanterns of the soothsaying priests, which formerly they called auspices and now augurs, to be always open at top, and no cover to be put upon them? Solution. Is it as the Pythagoreans do, who make little things symbols of great matters, as forbidding to sit down upon a bushel, and to stir up the fire with a sword, so that the ancients, used many enigmatical ceremonies, especially about their priests. And such was this of the lanthorn? For the lanthorn is like the body encompassing the soul, the soul being the light within side, and the understanding and judgment ought to be always open and quick-sighted, and never to be shut up or blown out. And when the winds blow, the birds are unsettled, and do not afford sound prognostics, by reason of their wandering and irregularity in flying, by this usage, therefore, they teach that their soothsayers must not prognosticate when there are high winds, but in still and calm weather, when they can use their open lanterns. Question 73. Why were priests that had sores about them forbid to use divination? Solution. Is not this a significant sign that, whilst they are employed about divine matters, they ought not to be in any pain? nor have any sore or passion in their minds, but to be cheerful, sincere, and without distraction? Or is it but rational, if no man may offer a victim that hath a sore, nor use such birds for soothsaying, that much more they should themselves be free from these blemishes, and be clean, sincere, and sound, when they go about to inspect divine prodigies, for an ulcer seems to be a mutilation and defilement of the body." Question 74. Why did Servius Tullius build a temple of small fortune, whom they call Brevis? Solution. Was it because he was of a mean original and a low condition, being born of a captive woman, and by fortune came to be king of Rome? Or did not that change of his condition manifest the greatness rather than the smallness of his fortune? But Servius most of all of them, seems to ascribe divine influence to fortune, giving thereby a reputation to all his enterprises. For he did not only build temples of hopeful fortune, of fortune that averteth evil, of mild, primogenial, and masculine fortune. But there is a temple also of private fortune, another a regardful fortune, another of hopeful fortune, and the fourth of virgin fortune." But why should any one mention any more names, seeing there is a temple also of ensnaring fortune, which they call Viscata, 
as it were ensnaring us when we are as yet afar off and enforcing us upon business consider this now whether it be that servius found that great matters are effected by a small piece of fortune and that it often falls out that great things are effected by some and do come to naught by a small thing being done or not done he built therefore a temple of small fortune teaching us to take care of our business and not contemn things that happen by reason of their smallness question seventy five why did they not extinguish a candle but suffer it to burn of its own accord solution is this the reason that they adore it as being related and akin to unquenchable and eternal fire or is it a significant ceremony teaching us that we are not to kill and destroy any animated creature that is harmless fire being as it were an animal for if both needs nourishment and moves itself and when it is extinguished it makes a noise as if it were then slain or doth this usage instruct us that we ought not to make waste of fire or water or any other necessary thing that we have a superabundance of but suffer those to have need to use them leaving them to others when we ourselves have no further use for them question seventy six why do they that would be preferred before others in gentility wear little moons on their shoes solution is this the reason as castor saith that this is a symbol of the place of habitation that is said to be in the moon signifying that after death souls should have the moon under their feet again or was this a fashion of renown among families of greatest antiquity as were the arcadians of evander's posterity that were called men born before the moon proselenoi or is it this like many other customs to put men who are lofty and high-minded in mind of the mutability of human affairs to either side setting the moon before them as an example when first she comes from dark to light trimming her face becomes fair bright increasing till she's full in sight declining then leaves naught but night or was this a doctrine of obedience to authority that they would have us not discontented under it but as the moon doth willingly obey her superior and conform unto him always vamping after the rays of the sun as parmenides hath it so they that are subjects to any prince should be contented with their lower station in the enjoyment of power and dignity derived from him question seventy seven why are they of an opinion that the year is jupiter's but the months juno's solution is it because jupiter and juno reign over the invisible gods who are no otherwise seen but by the eyes of our understanding but the sun and moon over the visible and the sun verily causeth the year and the moon the months neither ought we to think that they are bare images of them but the sun is jupiter himself materially and the moon juno herself materially therefore they name her juno a juvenescendo the name signifying a thing that is new or grows young from the nature of the moon and they call her lucina as it were bright or shining and they are of opinion that she helps women in their travail pains whence is that of the poets by azure heaven beset with stars by the moon that hastens births for they suppose that women have the easiest travail at the full moon question seventy eight what is the reason that a bird called sinister in soothsaying is fortunate solution 
what if this be not true but the dialect eludes so many for they render aristoron sinistrum but to permit a thing is sinere and they say sine when they desire a thing to be permitted therefore a prognostic permitting an action being sinisterium the vulgar do understand and call amiss sinistrum or is it as dionysius saith that when ascanius the son of aeneas had pitched battle against mezentius a flash of lightning portending victory as they prognosticated came on his left hand and for the future they observed it so or as some others say that this happened to aeneas moreover the thebans routing and conquering their enemies by the left wing of the army at leuctra they continued in all battles to give the left wing the preeminence or is it rather as juba thinks that to those that look toward the east the north is on the left hand which verily some make the right hand and superior part of the world consider whether the soothsayers do not as it were corroborate left-hand things as the weaker by nature and do imitate as if they introduced a supply of that defect of power that is in them or is it that they think that things terrestrial and mortal stand directly over against heavenly and divine things and do conjecture that the things to us are on the left hand the gods send down from their right hand question seventy nine why is it lawful to bring the bones of one that had triumphed after he was dead and burnt into the city and lay them there as pyro the liparian hath told us solution was it for the honor they had for the deceased for they granted that not only generals and other eminent persons but also their offspring should be buried in the market-place for example valerius and fabricius and they say when the posterity of these persons died they were brought into the market-place and a burning firebrand was put under them and immediately taken away and thus all that might have caused envy was avoided and the right to the honor was fully confirmed question eighty why did they that publicly feasted the triumphers humbly request the consuls and by messengers sent beseech them not to come to their supper solution was it that it was necessary to give the supreme place and most honorable entertainment to the triumpher and wait upon him home after supper whereas the consuls being present they might do such things to none other but them question eighty one why did not the tribune of the people wear a purple garment when as each of the other magistrates wore one solution what if the tribune is not a magistrate at all for he neither hath lictors nor sitting in tribunal doth he determine causes neither do the tribunes as the rest enter upon their office at the beginning of the year nor do they cease when a dictator is chosen but as if they translated all magistratic power to themselves they continue still being as it were no magistrates but holding another kind of rank and as some rhetoricians will not have a prohibition to be judicial proceeding seeing it doth something contrary to judicial proceeding for the one brings in an action at law and gives judgment upon it but the other non suits it and dismisseth the cause after the like manner they are of opinion that tribuneship is rather a curb to magistracy and that it is an order standing in opposition to government rather than a piece of government itself for the tribune's office and authority is to withstand the magistrate's authority even to curtail his extravagant power
perhaps these and similar reasons may be mere ingenious devices but in truth since tribuneship takes its original from the people popularity is its stronghold and it is a great thing not to carry it above the rest of the people but to be like the citizens they have to do with in gesture habit and diet state indeed becomes a consul and a praetor but as for a tribune as caius curio saith he must be one that even is trampled upon not grave in countenance nor difficult of access nor harsh to the rabble but more tractable to them than to others hence it was decreed that the tribune's doors should not be shut but be open night and day as a haven and place of refuge for distressed people and the more condescending his outward deportment is by so much the more doth he increase his power for they dignify him as one of public use and to be restored to of all sorts even as an altar therefore by the reverence they give him he is sacred holy and inviolable and when he makes a public progress it is a law that every one should cleanse and purify the body as defiled question eighty two why before the chief officers are rods carried bound together with the axes fastened to them solution what if it be a significant ceremony to show that a magistrate's anger ought not to be rash and ungrounded or is it that while the rods are leisurely unloosing they make deliberation and delay in their anger so that oftentimes they change their sentence as to the punishment now whereas some sort of crimes are curable some incurable rods correct the corrigible but the axes are to cut off the incorrigible question eighty three what is the reason that the romans when they were informed that the barbarians called blatonessians had sacrificed a man to the gods sent for their magistrates to punish them but when they made it appear that they did it in obedience to a certain law they dismissed them but prohibited the like action for the future when as they themselves not many years preceding buried two men and two women alive in the forum borarum two of whom were greeks and two gauls for it seems absurd to do this themselves and yet to reprimand the barbarians as if they were committing profaneness solution what if this be the reason that they reckoned it profane to sacrifice a man to the gods but necessary to do so to the demons or were they of opinion that they sinned that did such things by custom or law but as for themselves they did it being enjoined to it by the sibylline books for it is reported that one elvia a virgin riding on horseback was struck with lightning and cast from her horse and the horse was found lying uncovered and she naked as if set on purpose her clothes had been turned up from her secret parts also her shoes rings and headgear all lay scattered up and down here and there her tongue also was hanging out of her mouth and when the diviners declared that it was an intolerable disgrace to the holy virgins that it should be published and that some part of the abuse did touch the cavaliers a servant of a certain barbarian cavalier informed that three vestal virgins amelia lucinia and marcia about the same time had been deflowered and for a long time played the whores with some men among whom was butatius the said informer's master the virgins being convicted were punished and the fact appearing heinous it was thought meet that the priests should consult the sibylline books 
where there were oracles found foretelling these things would come to pass for mischief to the republic and enjoining them in order to avert the impending calamity to provide two grecians and two gauls and bury them alive in that place in order to the appeasing some alien and foreign demons end of section eighteen